When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you Nebraska baseball. Catch our live coverage as the Huskers meet the Indiana Hoosiers on the Diamond at Hawks Field at Haymarket Park in Lincoln. Watch Friday, May 10th at 6 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Here is the sports editor for the Omaha World Herald, Sam McEwen. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Sam McEwen. Uh, you know, we're going we're to throw the ball, and you just stand back there and throw it where you want to go. You know, and that kind of thing. Sam McEwen. Are you guys going? Um, sure. Now, Sam McEwen. Kicking off hour number two here on Herdat Sports Radio with AM590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. We are with Sam McEwen on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline. Sam, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, we are doing all right. It is just me this morning riding solo, so I appreciate you uh, keeping me company here. Um, you bet. <laughs> let's start with the college football playoff uh, committee. I know you had some thoughts uh, just kind of going through your Twitter yesterday. Um Seemed like people took your takes maybe a little bit the wrong way in regards to FSU um, and how you thought this process was going to play out. Um, so, so just it, wanted to give you a minute here to kind of explain in more than 240 characters what you meant by um, by the four best teams and FSU not really being in that group. Yeah, I didn't write them well enough, and so that was the that was my fault. Um, no, I, I, here, here's the thing. Uh, you you kind of knew going into the week that, you know, Florida State was in trouble. And I, I actually posted something on Friday saying, you know, if, if Washington loses by three, and, and they almost did lose by three, uh, and Florida State wins by seven, and Florida State won by ten, Who's the number four team? And, and, and to be very honest with you, I you know uh, more people pick Florida State, but I I honestly thought that was in play. What I didn't think was in play was was Georgia losing. I'm, I was surprised by that. Uh, I, I thought Georgia would win by ten or fourteen points, but um, Georgia played poorly mm-hmm. and, and and doesn't belong in the playoff. And you know what you saw in the you know during the week and then on Saturday, you, you saw the SEC leaning very hard on this, uh, you know, Sesame Street, one of these things is not like the other argument about how the SEC champion, regardless of who it is, needs to be in the, needs to be in the, you know, the college football playoffs. And you just didn't see any of that from the ACC. And I guess I, I just, I feel very confident that Florida State believed it was in, um, you know, after, uh, if they won. And that not only that, they would have been the number three seed if they won and another team in front of them lost. And so um, I thought what, what, what needed to have happened, what Florida State needed to understand is, 
their AD and their president and their head coach and the ACC needed to, to needed to really lobby uh, to be in uh, and and to do that uh, on national TV to to pre-shame the committee and and uh, and to be very vociferous and strong about that statement. Um, ESPN's college football reporter doesn't matter who it is, but their college football playoff reporter predicted that Florida State on Saturday night, after all the games were over, would finish sixth. And I posted that. I and what I what I thought in that moment is there's no way ESPN would let this reporter go on here and say that if they didn't feel really confident mm-hmm. that um, that Florida State wasn't going to make it. It's this wouldn't let it happen because just. It, it would be such a it would be such an incorrect prediction, sure, um, to predict somebody sixth and then finish fourth or third. I'm like, there's just no way. And so I'm like, Florida State's in real trouble, and they were they they didn't make it. I didn't think they would make it, and as a result, you know, they got really upset on on uh, on Sunday, and it was too late. You got to say all the you got to say all the hard things before the votes are made. Scott Frost did that back in '98. After the orange bowl, you got to do it right away. You you can't you can't wait for people to decide and then be mad. Um, this thing, unfortunately, is a human decision. There's virtually no metrics or firm or fast process. They change the rankings all the time for very you know squishy reasons, you know narrative reasons. So you have to know going into it, hey. We're not going to make this thing unless we make a very strong case uh, to the people in that room who are listening, and and make sure that they know that that if we don't get in, we're gonna we're gonna raise a lot of heck. And Florida State can do that after the fact, but it, it just doesn't it doesn't carry the same weight. And so, do I think Florida State should have made it? Yes, I do. Alabama didn't deserve to make it in 2017. And Alabama doesn't deserve to make it now. Um, the Alabama that beat Georgia is the same Alabama that should have lost to Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama's not been that good this year. They just haven't been. And Florida State's been just as good. And they have no losses. So, yes. The other thing I'll say is, and this is also true, so two things can be true at once. Florida State belongs in the playoff, but Alabama will be a much more exciting playoff matchup for Michigan. And I think Michigan will win that game. But everybody knows that at 4 o'clock on whatever, January 1st, we're all sitting there and the Rose Bowl comes on, your blood's going to get pumping more for Alabama than it is Florida State. It, it just is. Everybody's going to, you're going to get 5 million more viewers as a result. That's what Alabama and Michigan will do to each other. Saban against Harbaugh, that whole thing. It's going to be a big deal. And I don't know that the playoff committee was thinking about that, but two things can be true at once, and that's true. Florida State belonged in. Alabama is the more, you know, interesting choice in terms of television. That's you know, those those are both true. But no, I think Florida State should have been in the playoff. But uh, you know, the committee doesn't have to do that. And guess what? After this year, they don't have to. They don't have to be controversial anymore. They can just they can just put whatever you know. They can put whatever they want in, and 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 the end. Sam, so, some really interesting points in there. And, and first, I guess I just want to ask, like, this is a bad way to decide who makes the playoff, right? Like, if, 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 the, if the who makes it in and who doesn't makes it in can be decided by basically campaigning, like, that's not the best way to decide, right? Like, is that, is that fair? 
I mean, it, it's not it's not the it's not the NFL or the, it's not professional sports. It's collegiate sports is trickier because there's more teams and you know they all kind of play by different rules. And one day, if there's a college football super league, then you know maybe they'll have rules like the NFL. In the NCAA basketball tournament, there's so many teams. You got to win so many games that nobody's going to get too upset. You know, the, the team that's left out is the 65th team. You know, number one seed versus number two seed. You know what? You got to win five ga- You got to win four games just to get to the. You got to win three games just to get to the elite eight. Any. You know, the most controversial thing that I think's ever happened in the NCAA tournament in recent years is the year that they made Kentucky and Massachusetts face each other in the final four instead of the final game because they were busy screwing around with regions and other things. And they, they fixed that where, you know, if and they fixed it. And so, you know, the, the national title game isn't in the final four, it's in the final game. So that was probably the worst thing that happened and they fixed it. Um, although again, that would, if that happened today, that, that'd feel pretty darn egregious uh, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, no, it's not a perfect way. Um, That'll change a little bit when it goes to 12 teams. Uh, but it, but it's been imperfect from the very beginning. Like, the thing was better when it was two. No, people don't like hearing that. But it was better when it was two. It was, if it were two, we would know the two. And nobody would be saying, well, now Florida State belongs in over Washington. Nobody would be saying Sure, that. yeah. Um, it was better when it was two. It, it was clear, and it, it, it created less you know, anger and frustration and and all these other things. It just, it made for better bowl matchups. Um, you know, one thing that's going to continue during the CFP is we're going to have to drag a team like Liberty into this, into this thing, and that's silly. That's silly. Um, the day when it gets to a college football Super League is, is going to be a better day because now, you know, now nobody really cares. Liberty's probably going to play Oregon. They might even beat Oregon. Oregon is. But you, know, you get in a playoff setting, and those things are going to start ended up, you know, fifty-five to three. It's going to get real ugly with those group of five teams because they won't stand a chance. They they won't. And so, you know, there's there's all these compromises that are built into the thing, and um, it's still imperfect. But it'll be better, you know, next year. It'll and nobody will say, well, Florida State, you know, Florida State will be the five seed. Nobody will care. Uh, they'll complain a little bit, but they'll have an opportunity to prove it. It'd be Florida State against Liberty. Oh, boy. Yeah, everybody will be <laughs> fine. So, it, you know, and then they'll get to play Alabama in a bowl game, and then they can prove that they're better than Alabama. In these circumstances, they don't get to prove that. Um, you know, it's, 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 un, it's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, campaigning isn't the answer, but that's not – I mean – that's just part of how, how it's done. What, why is the SEC commissioner using Sesame Street? Because he knows that somewhere in there they need to go and make a rhetorical argument. The ACC is just silent. Because I think the ACC thought if we win, if Florida State wins, they're in. And, and, and guess what? If Georgia beats Alabama, they're right. Florida State would have stayed ahead of Texas. The only reason that, and remember, Mm -hmm. Florida State was ahead of Texas last week. Florida State had a backup quarterback last week. The only reason that Texas jumped Florida State was because Alabama had to jump Florida State to put an SEC team in, and Texas beat Alabama. Well, that's 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 the problem right there, right? 
It was all about the SEC. It had nothing to do with Texas. Texas was tethered to Alabama because they beat Alabama. If Georgia beats Alabama, then Florida State is in the college football playoff, regardless of what Texas And And that's the problem right there, right, is that they – they left Florida State ahead of those two teams even after the backup quarterback situation was clear, right? Like, to me, that's the biggest thing. Like, had they dropped Florida State last week and been like, hey, we don't think this is the same thing without Jordan Travis, I don't think we're having this same conversation today because that sort of makes sense. What I think made less sense is, hey, Florida State continued to win not only with a backup but also a third string, had a better win than Texas, and then – fell behind them at that point. Like, I think that's the part that gets frustrating with how the committee operated on this one, right? Like, if there was objective metrics, even like a net rating like the basketball system uses, or even like a uh, a, a BCS-esque portion of the rating, I think that would have helped quite a bit, don't you? Yeah, I do. But I, you know, they've done that many times. I mean, Ohio State was number one in the – playoff in 2019 until they're mysteriously switched, you know, right before the tie, you know, right before the playoff. Mm-hmm. LSU moves to number one because their defense got better. I mean, come on. It's just, this has happened so many times. Um, you know, it, it, it honestly, it happened the first year. And that was kind of the Big 12's fall when they wouldn't declare TCO the, the Big 12 champion because they didn't, you know, they're, they're busy looking at each other and they don't know what to do. And so, you know, they declare a tie, and then, you know, the committee, Barry Alvarez and Tom Osborne were part of it. Mm-hmm. We're like, well, you didn't say who the champion was. So Ohio State, and Ohio State wins the national title, so it it justifies it. But, you know, that was a darn good TCU team that got left out. Um, Florida State was undefeated that year and got in, and then they get crushed by Oregon in the, in the Rose Bowl. And so, you know. It's been there from the very, kind of from the start. Penn State didn't make it that one year, and Ohio State did, even though Penn State beat Ohio State. Alabama didn't beat anybody in 2017, didn't even win their division. You know, they go to the playoff, and then they win it. You know, again, you can do this all day with Georgia and Alabama. They, 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 they Their power ratings suggest they will win, you know, a game or whatever you want to call it. You can put them in every single year if that's what you want to do. You can do the same with Clemson. You know, Florida State has the misfortune of Clemson having a bad year. Yeah, you know, that's, it can control Clemson, and so you know, it's it, it's those are those are those are hard things. I will say this: I didn't listen to a ton of the rhetoric yesterday from the CFP leader. I don't was because Florida State's response was related to pre, you know results on the field over some predicted you know, measurement of winning and losing. And I was like, they didn't actually say that during their press conference or their interview that, well, we just don't think Florida State would beat Michigan. I don't think they didn't say that. Not that I heard. Um, I think it was more them kind of extrapolating some of the things that that the playoff committee did say. Basically, I I think they said something about, like, competitiveness or, or something to that extent. Um, if I'm remembering right. right here, and so I think they, I think Florida State extrapolated to say, "Oh well, you don't think that we could have beat Michigan, so you left us out." Basically, is is how they took it. Right, right. So you know, I mean, there's again, there's a lot of different ways to parse it out. It's going to go to twelve. Two was better than four. Twelve will be better than four. Four was was too small. It was it just it kept teams out, and but it also but it kept like 
you know, two or three teams out that were no better or worse than the fourth. Right. And two was about perfect because you could usually pick the two best teams year after year. Most but years, yeah. yeah. Those are the two best teams. Yeah, but, most you know, years. That wasn't that hard. And and for whatever, you know, they wanted to move it to four. There's, you know, the media wanted that. They eventually got it to four. And then, you know, the, the Big Ten and other leagues fought expansion. And now we're finally getting to expansion. So, so here we go. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Next year, we'll, the conversations we will be having um, are, you know, which teams are on the fringe of 12. And that will be a heck of a lot of fun because there's a lot of teams that will be in contention for 12 at the start of November. And, and we'll, see, we'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah, ironically, I think eight's probably the right number, but you know, we just skipped right over that one. Um, we did, <laughs> which is which is about on par for college football, if we're being honest. Um, right. Let's uh, change gears here to college basketball. Obviously, Nebraska and Creighton uh, had their big matchup yesterday. Creighton wins eighty-nine to sixty. As you're watching that one and seeing it play out, um, obviously it was. Much more competitive at the start of the game. I think down to the eight, nine minute mark, it was basically back and forth, a, a basically a one point game either way. Um, and then Creighton goes on a little run to end the half. And then you had that very strange sequence to end the half where Creighton ends up shooting five consecutive free throws on a foul that I thought was a foul on Stephen Ashworth. It's not something that gets yes, called all the time. Of course it was. It's not something that gets called all the time in that situation, but it was a pretty clear foul. Um, and then you had the technical on Tominaga uh, for throwing the ball at the stanchion. How much did you think that impacted the way the second half played out? A little, but not that much. You know, uh, Nebraska doesn't have time to review this game. They, they really don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, they got Minnesota coming up and then Michigan State. And by golly, they can win them both. And they can lose them both, too. Mm-hmm. And losing both would be like a punch to the gut. Winning both would be like, all right, everybody, let's look around at each other. We get, we, let's go. Um, so they don't have time to review this game. Um, and maybe that, that was by design, and maybe that's just a perfect, a perfect thing for it. Mm-hmm. What I'll say is, yeah, the, the game was a one-point game with whatever, nine minutes to go. But everything about that game, the way Nebraska played it, the way Creighton played it, favored Creighton. Um, you ain't going to get Casey Tominaga scoring 32 points on runners and cutters to the lane. <laughs> and that's just not happening. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, everything about that game favored Creighton. The pace, Nebraska coming down and jacking up threes, you know, six seconds into the shot clock. I'm like, you got to play this game like Washington played Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. You need to hold on to the ball. You need to slow the pace down. You cannot, you can't give that team, you know, run out after run out opportunity. That's Creighton. Nobody does that better than Creighton. Mm -hmm. At this point in college basketball, maybe Gonzaga does. But there aren't many teams that do it better than Creighton. And so it was like, are you you like a practice team for them? What are you you doing? And so you got a point guard, and some of this is on Lawrence. Yeah. You gotta have a point guard that controls the basketball game and gets things in half court and you gotta go tell Casey and remember Casey didn't play much in the in the game last year. You gotta go tell Casey, hey, this isn't the day. We're not playing the NBA today. We we have to find a way to beat this team with our team and that means you don't 
you don't do what you like to do. You have to play within the construct of the offense that you're in, and that means, you know, you you can pat yourself on the back for having 37 points at halftime, but the other team's going to have 52. Mm. And so Nebraska, I, I just don't think Nebraska played the kind of game that they needed to play to win the game. They needed to play the way they played last year, and they didn't. And then I also felt like, especially in the second half, you know, I think Nebraska uh, just just didn't play, just didn't play very well. You know, Creighton got cold. I, you know, Creighton is a streaky shooting team. They did, you know, Creighton was not hitting much in the second half, and Nebraska just didn't. They just didn't fight quite hard enough on the boards, and they. Again, you know, if, if, if you watch the game on TV, you know, I thought Nick Baugh did a real nice job of, of kind of laying out the things that surprised him. And one of those things being that Baylor Shireman was able to cover rink Mass a lot of the game, and, and that means that Mass didn't get the ball enough. Mm-hmm. And so one of the challenges with the, the versatility and the number of guys that they play is making sure everybody on the floor knows who the hell's supposed to get the basketball. <laughs> and if that's rink Mass, then that's rink Mass. Now, I'm not saying Rink's the best player. You know, I, I, we had a really robust discussion last week before the rule presser uh, of who Nebraska basketball's best player is. One guy said Bryce Williams. One guy said Matt. You know, one guy said Casey. You know, Casey's uh, a wonderful player. Hard to, hard to build a team or, like, how hard to build a concept around him. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he goes and gets his 20, but that can't be your offensive identity. He's got to get his shots within the realm of the offense. And, um, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. You know, they got a big game Wednesday night against the team they don't match up well with. Minnesota, I know Nebraska won two of three from Minnesota last year, but they darn near could have lost all three of them. And Minnesota's got a guy in Dawson Garcia that Nebraska does not know how to cover. Or they didn't last year. So mm-hmm. maybe they do this. Maybe Rink Mass can take him or Alec or somebody. But, Minnesota's a challenge for Nebraska, and so they got to go. They got to go play that game, and they got to go win it. And every single game they played against Minnesota has been kind of high scoring, and that doesn't favor Nebraska. So we'll see what happens. But that's what I thought coming out of the game, as I'm like, you know, this is this is way Creighton wants to play, and the only difference is Iowa made a bunch of those shots and lost, and Nebraska didn't make a bunch of those shots and lost by more than Iowa did. <laughs> but if Iowa had missed those shots. It would have been the same result. Yeah. Like Iowa, but that's how Iowa wants to play. I yeah. get it. And so that's Iowa's style. But you're not going to beat Creighton doing that. The teams that beat Creighton doing that, and Colburn is also healthy, are San Diego State and Colorado State. They slow the boat. They slow the game down. They make each possession count. If you give Creighton a ton of possessions, which Nebraska did, especially in the first ten minutes of the game when Creighton wasn't making many shots, Creighton's going to beat you. They're gonna get. They're gonna get deep enough into their shot bag. They're gonna start making them, and that's and the, so I just thought it was kind of a failure on a lot of fronts. I was kind of surprised the to played the way it did. Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. Sam, really good stuff today. Appreciate you uh, keeping me some company this morning, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Take care. That's Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. We appreciate Sam's time as always. Uh, really good stuff there. We'll talk more about Creighton and Nebraska uh, at the bottom of the hour, of bottom of the show. Excuse me, as we uh, catch up with our own Jacob Padilla from Heard at Sports. A uh, little bit of, I, I guess, breaking news as breaking as any of this uh, stuff is with the transfer portal. Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma, who had a very good year, uh, leaving 
Oklahoma. Um, it appears he, uh, yeah, he is in the transfer portal and will be ready to play somewhere else next year. I uh, want to remind you that Sam came to us on the Warhorse Sportsbook hotline. Warhorse Sportsbook, you can base, place your bets in person in Omaha at Horseman's Park or in Lincoln at the Warhorse Casino. You can place bets on nearly every major sporting event, event straight bets, parlays, live in-game bets, props as well. You can do just about anything. you got to be in person at the casino or at Horseman's Park to place those bets. The best place in Nebraska to place your bets. That's Warhorse Sportsbook. No bets, no glory. Coming up next, Damon Benning. <laughs> 